Amen. Let's pray. Father, we love you. Lord, we just thank you this evening for the opportunity once again to be in your house. Lord, I thank you for this beautiful day that we had, but I thank you right now for the beautiful time we're going to have in your presence tonight. God, I pray that you would just move again in a mighty way, just like you did this morning, but in a better and greater way tonight. Lord, we expect great things because you promised great things. And Lord, we know that what you promise, you'll bring and, what, and you'll give to us. Lord, we love you. We praise you. We worship you. We glorify you tonight, Lord, as we lift up our worship to you. God, we pray you receive it, Lord, that you would just open up your arms and just receive all that we have, all the blessings that we bless you with tonight with our worship. We love you. We glorify you in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah.
God. Father, form yourselves in us tonight, God. We need your spirit, God, more than life itself, Lord. Holy Spirit, just rain down in this place tonight. A fresh touch of your anointing, God. Fresh touch of your spirit, Father, is what we're what we're longing for. Yes, God. You said if we would pray and we would seek and humbly lay our lives down at your feet that you would bring us to the place where earth and heaven meet for your glory make us holy so we have come to kneel before your throne with faith and confidence in you alone yes that you would heal our land and overwhelm us with your hope for your glory make us holy and come like the sound of roaring thunder cover the earth with signs and wonders bring an awakening bring an awakening come and consume us with your power jesus we need
thunder, cover the earth with signs and wonders, bring an awakening, bring an awakening, come and consume us with your power, Jesus we need you in this hour, bring an awakening, bring an awakening, and come like the sound of roaring thunder, cover the earth with signs and wonders, bring an awakening. sensitive to the spirit tonight. you're going to do in this service, God. We thank you in advance for healing that is taking place right now, God. We thank you, Father, for a new movement, God, of your presence in this house, God. We thank you, Father, for what manifested in this house this morning, God. And we anticipate greater things through this service tonight, God. Father, help us to put ourselves aside, God, to be receptive of what you have for us, God. Father, we be still in your presence, God. Holy Spirit, come in here. 
just for a moment. Father, we just be still before you, God. Why don't we give the Lord a hand clap tonight? It's just thanking. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. May be seated tonight. Love that scripture says, They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. We just wait on him. Sometimes, sometimes we get so busy trying to figure everything out. We get so busy trying to do it and find the solution. He just says, just wait. Matter of fact, he says, be still and know that I am God. Sometimes we get too busy to remember that, and we just, just want to find it all and do it all ourselves, but that's what he wants us to do. Just wait on him, and he'll renew our strength. Amen. Amen. For ushers to come, we'll take up our tithe, evening tithes and offering at this time. It's an opportunity to get back to God in our worship.
Alan, would you pray over the offering this evening? Some would say you should hold it forever. But anyway, I do enjoy trying once in a while, used to. I want to say thanks to uh, any and all that had a part to invite my wife and I to come and be here with you through this weekend. It's been a pleasure for us. And uh, we like to feel like we still have an active part in what God's doing around the country. And so uh, uh, when you call, that's, that was always an encouragement to our heart. And I think I may have told you this, this if I repeat myself, oh man, do the lot. Did you know that? Some of you will learn. <laughs> I, uh, I was driving up to Ada all oh, for about three or four months while they were trying to get a pastor up at a little place called Bing. I don't know if you ever heard of it or not. And uh, I went up there. We had a great time, great group of people. We had fun, enjoyed it. And um, so uh, then Jimmy, the presbyter called me one week and he said, uh, well, we, we finally found a pastor from Bing. You won't have to come back. And I said, oh, okay, good. And then he chuckled and he said, but you know what? They said they would like to have you if they could get you and cologne you to a younger person. <laughs> I said, hey, <laughs> we may be on to something now. 
And he laughed and I said, I don't know what you're laughing about. I read in the paper the other day where they cloned a sheep. If they can clone a sheep, who says they can't get a duck out of that? I don't know. <laughs> I don't guess they ever did. I never heard any more. <laughs> so uh, I guess the cloning thing is out right now. <laughs> but uh, we're, th we're thankful to be here. And, and my wife always enjoys ministering in song. And she's been a part of my team or I've been a part of her team or whatever for 65 years. And uh, we work together, but here lately, in the last year or two, she's had so many handicaps and complications that uh, she doesn't get the chance to minister. She always tells me, though, I, I, I'll try. I said, no, nah, don't put yourself into this kind of a bind trying to, trying to sing. So we're thankful we have some good singers. So we just kind of sit back and enjoy that with everyone. And, uh, and this morning, I really did enjoy. I just felt so free to just get up and do what I wanted to do. <laughs> and, that's, and that's a good thing to feel, isn't it, huh? Uh, it's, it all be that way. And uh, I, yet I have been in churches where I felt so cramped and picked. I didn't know what to do. I didn't know to say anything, squat, run, or what. I just didn't know what to do. <laughs> but uh, it's wonderful to be here, and I feel like I'm at home. And, and uh, Naomi and I are blessed. Just thank you so much for making us feel that kind of warmth and, and fellowship. And we just really have enjoyed the day, although it's hard because I was pretty well all taken up yesterday. I had a funeral that lasted most of the day yesterday. And that's pretty stressful. I don't know if you deal with that much, but you've got a lot of things you deal with in the, in the families. And, and sometimes there's not that much harmony. In this case, it was a wonderful family. We had a great time and enjoyed the fellowship. And uh, it lasted on into the afternoon. And, that, and that's fine. I, I'm just getting to where I'm not able to go for the marathon. You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> and uh, so we, we kind of have to slow down. Naomi and I are slowing down. And uh, you said, are you quitting? I said, not yet. We're not yet. We're not quitting yet. But we are slowing down. But uh, thank you for inviting us and asking us to come by one more time. This morning, I received a call. I do almost every Sunday morning. We have made friends in Germany and some other places that call us from time to time, send us cards and let us know they're thinking. Well, there's a young man by the name of Johannes Hofer. And uh, we met him when we were in Germany. He works at a hospital and uh, a great man. He's been here twice or three times to see us here in the States. And uh, he calls me every Sunday morning. He calls me on his way away from church about it comes in at seven o'clock our time so you know there's seven hours difference in the time so uh, i visit with him this morning he called and he was telling me about the pastor preaching about prayer and i thought that was a wonderful subject i said well Johannes, i'm going to preach about prayer tonight he said you are i said yeah yeah unless god changes my mind that's what we're going to do and uh, so we talked about it, what was said, and shared some thoughts. And I don't know that I would be able to use any of them, but I felt it was good kind of confirmation that I may be at the right point yeah. dealing with the right subject when it talks about prayer. Yeah. And that's just what we're going to talk about tonight. And I'm going to turn over into uh, First Chronicles <clears throat> chapter 4, and I'm going to read one verse. That means it'll be a short message tonight. 
I read one verse this morning and it was a short message, right? <laughs> well, actually this tonight is, a, it's, it's a very detailed, but I like it because it's called the prayer of Jabez. Uh, you may have read it many times, heard it preached on all that, I don't know. Uh, but how I many has never heard of Jabez? Okay, everybody's heard of him. So Jabez is, uh, uh, it's, it's a beautiful story and a wonderful story, and I'd like to share that with you. Uh, uh, everybody has their own points of view. Every preacher that preaches has his own interpretation of certain scriptures. So tonight I will share with you my interpretation of the prayer of Jabez. And uh, it's found in 1 Chronicles chapter 4, verses 10. Will I begin to read tonight? And this is what it said. And Jabez called on God of saying. Let me back up verse 9. I think I need verse 9 to kind of help explain this. And Jabez was more honorable than his brethren. And his mother called his name Jabez, saying, Because I bear him with sorrow. And let's just stop for a moment there. And, you know, uh, the, sometimes the names describe really the person or the time or the mood or what was going on. But Jabez here was named, the word meant tried time, hard time, difficult time. I think probably many of us could carry that kind of name. But here in this, it says that he was named Jabez because, uh, how do you turn this fan off here? I don't know if I'm... <clears throat> that sounds good. <laughs> I, got it. I think I got it. <laughs> I couldn't figure where the wind was coming from. <laughs> Okay, we got it now. We got it now. All right, thank you. I appreciated that. Had me bum puzzled there for a while. <laughs> Jabez meant he, there was a difficulty in his birthing. And she named him that because it meant hard times or difficulties. And I think we've all had those times where there are stress, there's problems, there's anguish. There's penalties to pay, and you don't have to do anything wrong. Sometimes things just happen that way. And this is a case that Jabez uh, came along, and it caused his mother to have grief and sorrow and pain and agony. And so, therefore, he was named Jabez. That gives us some foundation there to know why that uh, he was named that. In verse 10, he begins to tell us about this prayer that Jabez called upon God of Israel saying, Oh, that thou would bless me indeed. How many has ever prayed for a blessing? I mean, just come on, God, I need something today. I need you to bless me today. I have. In fact, I do that about every day. I said, Lord, today I need your blessings upon my life. I need you to guide. And that's not selfish. That's not being greedy. That's not being uh, self-centered. That's simply stating a fact. We need God to give us his blessings. I need it. I need his blessings. I'm going to tell you one reason I need his blessings because I've found in this area, you meet a lot of folks that need help. 
And if God hasn't blessed me, I can't be a blessing. If it's just a word of encouragement, if it's a, a listen to a problem, or if I'm to minister to them, or whatever it is, God wants me to be blessed as I bless you. And one day I had an opportunity to do that, and I was praying with them, and they said, thank you for taking time. I said, I did it for a selfish reason. And they said, you did? I said, yes. Makes me feel good to make you feel good. So I think sometimes we need that kind of blessing that we can share with someone else. We can open up the channels of heaven. We can encourage them. We can tell them they can be blessed as well. I've even told people, look, if you want a blessing, bless somebody. Huh? You know, today, uh, this is a sidebar, so to speak, but my wife and daughter and, um, and uh, Sister Shanista, I, I call her that, but Sister Gillum, you know who I'm talking about. Uh, <laughs> We went to eat, and I wasn't being disrespectful. I was just, I think of her as a, as a personal friend. And so we went to eat. We were sitting over there enjoying ourselves, having a good time. And I went to pay for the meal, and somebody had paid for it. Yes. I, I couldn't believe it. I went back to the table. I said, folks, we've just been blessed. <laughs> and we had, and that was wonderful. That was a wonderful feeling. And I enjoyed it. And I think we did express our appreciation. But uh, it's good to be blessed once in a while, don't you think? Huh? Don't you get enjoy being blessed? I do. I do. I don't think I'm selfish, but I do enjoy our blessings once in a while. In fact, I do this almost every day. I may miss a day. When my feet hit the floor of a morning, I said, thank you, Lord, for another day. Don't know what's going to happen. Don't know how it's going to come out, but I want to bless the old God for another day. What another day, a blessing. I'm thankful, you know. But at my age, just to thank God for another breath of air, I ought to be thankful enough, right? <laughs> but I'm thankful. And I don't know. I don't know how long someone said, how long you last? I said, I have no idea. <laughs> I'm not even guessing about that one. But I enjoy, I'm thankful for every minute, every day, every hour and year that God has given us. We ought to be thankful, shouldn't we? Huh? Be thankful. Be thankful for what God does for us and to be thankful for the little blessings. I think we can praise Him for little things as well as big things. Huh? Amen. Amen. Uh, most of you know we wrote, wrote a book. Actually, it was kind of an accident, but anyway, we got it. And I get calls now from that, and I, I, I get blessed over it. Here, the, while back, we got a call one morning. A guy said, are you Dwayne Duck? I, that's me, he caught me. Here I am, flat-footed. He said, well, this is uh, Frankie Valens. I said, Frankie Valens? I'm old enough to know that sounded like an old rock and roller back in the 50s. <laughs> I said, I used to hear about a Frankie Valance. He said, that's me. <laughs> I said, oh, my goodness, my goodness. Good to hear you. And he said, well, he said, I was at a church, and you, they had some of your books, and I got one. And he said, can I come down and see you? And he said, I live in Wichita, Kansas. My wife and I would like to come. And I said, well, sure, come on down. So he drove down, and I was right. It's the same old rock and roller. 
he had to get a whole bunch of stack of, of CDs, was it? Or cassettes, or eight track, I can't remember. He had a bunch of them anyway, whatever they were. He had a bunch of them. And his wife was a concert pianist. Dennis, you would have enjoyed this lady. I mean, she put it on top shelf with my wife and, and won her paper real fast. And we talked and they wanted to talk to us about trying to get into the ministry and get rid of the rock and roll business. And you know, we had a lot, they stayed with us for two days and two nights. And we talked and, and looked and prayed and tried to find what God would have for them to do. And uh, he said, I, 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 I tell you what, I enjoy ministering in a church, but the money is in the rock and roll. <laughs> I said, I, I can imagine that. <laughs> but he said, I want you to pray that God will somehow open a door where that we can begin to find a place of ministry in a church. And so we did. We prayed with Frank and his wife and asked God to open the door for him and show him something. And uh, here we, back for about six months after they were there, they sent us letters telling us where they were at and what we're doing. And uh, during that time, one day on YouTube, I called him and there he was. He's still rock and rolling. But anyway, that's okay. If God's, it is hard. He wants to do something. And I felt the Lord was going to open the door and give him a privilege to minister in a church and get out of that kind of work. He said, it, it's, took, it's taken him all over the world. And he said, I'm tired and I want to stay home and I don't want to travel anymore. I can understand that. And so uh, we just have to pray. Sometimes we have needs and we just, uh, we don't know really how to present them. We don't know what to say. I was handed a note here a while ago that, uh, that I guess someone here at the church, I got a, a, a call from Sister Brenda Norton, just said, pray for us. I don't know what it's about, but I thought we might all just take time, just pray for her and ask God minister to her right now. I don't know what's going on, but God does, right? Heavenly Father, we bring Sister Norton to you. We put her on this altar before you and we pray that you would intervene. Look at her life, look at their family, look at her situation. And God, that you would do that which needs to be done by the powers of the Holy Ghost come down. Lay your hand upon her and minister to her and help her and strengthen her and lift her up and let her feel this day your presence there in a mighty way. In Jesus we pray. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen and amen. Thank you, Lord. Well, let's get back to our text today. Oh, that thou would have blessed me and enlarge my coast. Anybody ever pray, God, help me to do more for you than I've ever done before? Help me to find a, a better and a more effective way to minister the Word of God. I'm going to tell you, if you pray that, God will take you serious and He'll do exactly that. He'll enlarge your borders. He'll enlarge your knowledge. He'll enlarge your wisdom. He will enlarge your desire because that's the plan of God enlarging our coast. You know, sometimes we don't think about it, but uh, uh, God wants to do things for us to bless us all the time. And that time that he takes and stretches us. You know, have you ever been stretched? I've had things to happen. I said, Lord, I can't do it. He said, you go and I'll go with you and I'll put the stretch on. 
And I found out that if I go and make myself available, God will take over what I can't do. Have you ever been there? I've been asked to do things I know was in totally Im impossible for me. I, if I would, anybody say, can you do it? I said, no, I can't do it. But when they asked me to do it, I said, God, they've asked me to do it. Can we do it? He said, go and I'll go with you. You open your mouth and I'll fill it. You extend your hand and I'll be your arm extended. And I found out that that works. I find that God does that. He has that way to enlarge your skill and ability. I watched God manifest himself in a wonderful way. I, I shared a little bit of that this morning. I won't go into more detail tonight except to say that there was an enlarging that I had never expected. I saw God doing things that I did not understand, but I knew that it was the hand of the Lord. I knew the power of God was involved. I knew people were coming there and asking, and God was answering their prayer, though he was using my hand sometimes and my words, but I knew it wasn't me. It had to be God enlarging our abilities. Now listen, if you're serious with God, he'll enlarge your ability. He will enlarge you, not necessarily that he needs to develop a new vocabulary, not that you have to be more educated, but God will enlarge your ability and skills to do more for the kingdom of God. He will. He'll do it, and you'll be standing back in amazement saying, I didn't know I could do that. And you'll have to be honest to say, I didn't do that. God did it through me. And that's the way it works. I'm, I'm thrilled to tell you that God works that way. I'm so happy that he does. And uh, I, 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 mean, I like excitement. I think if I would have been born years and years ago, I would have been an explorer, a pioneer. I'd go off into some desert land and try to develop. But here I am in Long Grove, Oklahoma, so I'll do the best I can. But God's let that feeling, that desire, that vision, that burden be enlarged upon. And he's opened doors that I never dreamed possible. You know, back several years ago, I thought that, um, well, I don't know if I'll tell you. I'll tell you. You won't tell anybody, right? <laughs> the Lord began to deal with our heart and, and we began to go where he sent us. And some things began to develop in our life educationally. And there it was a, a burden in our soul back when uh, Gail and, and uh, Wayman and some of us wound up down at Fort Chaffee. I really, I really found an attraction there to the ministry, uh, which we called the chaplaincy. And I guess there was a chaplain. I just thought he was a great man. He pastored the Episcopal Church in Ardmore, Chaplain Morton. But we, I loved him. He just... He just opened the door. He showed me what a pastor really ought to do, and I, I appreciated that. And I always thought someday I'd like to be like him. I, I never did tell him that, but I, I've often told him, you sure mean a lot to me, and I, he did. He was a good mentor for me to be able to just cling to some of the words, the way he, the mannerism, how he dealt with things, and I loved that. I thought I wanted to be a chaplain. I had prepared in some ways for that, and I may have told you this, and if I have, skip it. <laughs> Plug ears. <laughs> but uh, the Lord opened the door. 
And uh, so my wife and I went up. I, I went up to apply to be a chaplain in the military, in the Army. And they put us through a barrage of tests and screenings. What, it took about two and a half days. We were in, interviewed, we had all kinds of things. And while I was going through that, they sent a detective back to where I was pastoring to ask everybody what they thought about me. Boy, that's dangerous right there. <laughs> and they gathered up financial reports to see if I'd been lying about anything, how it was all going on. And they came back and they set us down in a room and said, now you have asked about the chaplaincy. But listen, can we offer you something else you might be interested in? And I said, I don't know. What is it? And they said, we have a place that we'd like to send you. We already have three people there. We need you for the fourth person. And we would send you to the highest concentration of Americans outside the United States. At that time, it was in the country of West Germany. And they said, we'll send you there and you will pick a, pot, a spot where you want to work and that will be yours. I don't know. I said, well, what will I be doing? I'll talk to you later about that. Charles Greenaway was the field secretary for Europe, Asia, and the Middle East. You might remember when he was in Springfield and he was going to be our immediate superior. And he said, uh, I kept saying, Brother Greenaway, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? He says, just wait. I'll talk to you later. Just, just wait. Don't get in a hurry. We went all through this special school. It's the one of the longest schools they ever had. It was from 8 in the morning to 10 o'clock at night, several months, just drill, 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 drill. And then Brother Greenaway at the close of it said, I want you to go with Mary. That's his wife. Go with Mary and I and take your wife and I'm going to tell you what you're going to do. Boy, I couldn't wait to get there. It's fixing to happen. I said, okay. We tried to eat a bite, but I couldn't swallow anything. I was ready to find out what I was fixing to do. We got through, and he said, I, I know you've been anxious about this meeting. And I said, oh, Brother Greenaway, you just don't know how much. He said, I'll tell you what you're going to do. I said, okay, what is it? He said, I don't know, but you'll come home and tell us. <laughs> I said, what? He said, God is going to use you in a way that we would not know how to describe. And you know the story, if you've probably got through the book and part of it, but anyway, we went over, we had a choice of three places, Stuttgart, Nuremberg, and Munich, and we selected Nuremberg. And Nuremberg was one of the prime places that God was ready to do something in. And the Spirit of the Lord came, not because of me, not because of me. I want you to be clear. God does things not because of us, but with us sometimes. And God let the Spirit of the Lord come down and settle upon that place. And God gave us favor with folks that we did not deserve. We don't know how it happened, but God does business. He does business. And don't you try to tell God how to do His business because He'll tell you that He'll do it and he'll do it with you if you'll let him. Are you with me? There's a time that he will do that. And God began to pull back. And I may have told you this, and if I haven't, let me tell you this. How many has had any military background? Anyone? Any military? Okay. Some of you will understand. 
The army don't need you or me or anyone else. They are self-contained. They have their own doctors, lawyers, preachers. They've got everything they need. They don't need you and I. But I found that that's exactly where God sent me in there to begin to work to those men, those chaplains. They, and, and it was funny how that God was used. They don't care what denomination. You'd be surprised how God can cross boundaries of deductional issues and bring together that spiritual thrust that God needs to bring and He will bring it. And I found that I knew that all of these chaplains met on Monday morning out of a big area. They came from Ansbach, Kotterbach, Schaubach, Hutzergeinach, Rillingen, and they were all coming into Nuremberg to meet with the community chaplain or the boss of all of North Bavaria. I knew they came in for a time of briefing, and I knew it was going to be at 9 o'clock. So I made a point to be there and drink coffee. That's when I got started drinking coffee. You know, I'd never make a good Mormon, would I? <laughs> I started drinking coffee because that's all they do, sit and talk and drink coffee. But God put me there in that, in that circle to begin to listen. And I began to pray and talk with them. And God began to move and work in their lives. Let me just tell you one, one testimony. One of the chaplains got sick, had a heart attack, went to the hospital. God told me to go see him. I went up there. I went in to visit with him. He's from Maryland, by the way. I went in to visit with him. And I was praying with him. And I, I said, I, I know it's boring. It was, he was in a hospital, no, no television, no radio, just lay there looking at the ceiling. I said, this is boring. He said, you just don't know how much. So I went home and picked up some books that I had. One was Crossing the Switchblade by Dave Wilkerson. They speak with other tongues by John Sherrill. I went through it. I had about five copies of different books I took in there and left with him. I came back in about a week and he was thrilled to death. He got out of the hospital in two weeks, came to church. He said, can I testify? Now, this is the spiritual leader, spiritual leader in that community. He said, I want to testify. I said, come right ahead, my friend. He got up and he said, it took a heart attack for me to fall, lay flat on my back to find out who Jesus was. And he said, I accepted the Lord as my Savior. I am a born-again believer, and I've got the anointing of God upon my life now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You see, I don't care how, how hard, how different, how unusual, God can penetrate any and every avenue that we will let him. Listen to me. Listen to me. I walked in one Monday morning and shaking hands and speaking to all of them, good to see you guys. Are you having a good time? God been blessing in your chapel. You've been having a wonderful time. And I came to the community chaplain. He's, he's the administrator of the boss over the whole bunch. He was a colonel, Colonel Balson. I came to him and said, well, chaplain, did you have a good weekend? And he looked at me square in the eye and he was six foot two. I'm six foot, so he was outnumbering me by two. He said, I want to talk with you in my office right now. What did I do? So I followed him back through a maze of offices and I'm trying to think of everything could have happened that I'm going to, I'm going to have to defend. We got back in this office. He closed the door and I said, this is serious stuff. 
he closed the door and he looked at me and he said, does God ever talk to you? I said, sure, I think he talks to me every day. He said, no, 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 no. Does God talk to you with an audible voice? Let me ask you, how many have heard an audible voice from heaven? I don't, I've never heard that I know of, but I think I hear from God every day. I said, sir, I don't know that I've heard an audible voice. And that time tears started running down his cheeks. And he turned his back to me and to the wall and he booed high like a baby. And he turned back around and tears was running. He said, last night, God walked into my quarters and he talked to me last night with an audible voice and he talked to me about you. Woo, he had my full attention now. What you and God been talking about? <laughs> he said, God told me that he had sent you here and for me to open the door and invite you in. <laughs> okay, I'll do it, whatever you say. He said, next Sunday morning, you'll be speaking at the Cobb Officers Club. Does anybody, you don't know what the, well, it's a high class beer joint's what it is. I said, wherever you say, sir, I'll go. Before that weekend came, he called again and he said, the chaplain that covers the stockade has had an emergency, he has to go back to the States. Would you cover his office, his job, his position until he gets back? I said, I would be glad to. I won't go any further with the story than that because I can tell you that then my life changed forever. I saw what the power of God can do, not only with me, but I watched God change the rules and laws in Germany, not for who I was, but for who God is. I saw God that changed situations that could not have been changed. In fact, the people that changed them said, this is not the way we do business in Germany. But it was not for me to say, and neither was it for them to say, for God was doing the work. Let me tell you, when God is on the scene, he will change things. If you'll just be that stump on the log, so to speak, you be available. God will use you and show you. Not that you're anything or ever be anything, but God will make you what he wants you to be. Amen. You be ready. You be ready. And don't believe that God is forgotten for one minute. Enlarge my coast. I don't know if you want your coast enlarged or not. You may go in places that you never dreamed about going, doors that will open that you never dreamed about going through, people that you have never thought about. God loves to surprise you once in a while. I met a fella at the bank. Uh, he's a lawyer for the bank, in fact. And um, we got to be friends visit with him. And so one day I took my book by and told him, I said, here it is. David, you have a chance to read this. And I started talking to him. I've been talking to him of what Jesus could do in his life, how it could change him, how it could change his life, how it could change many things about him. And I went on and I had no idea what was happening. 
And each time I would go in there, he would motion for me. I'd go in there, he said, I read this chapter, and he would tell me what he read. And I said, that's right, that's what happened. That's the way God works. I was up visiting with a friend of ours. He's president of the bank, uh, Falls Valley National Bank. And he said, um, I went in one day and I was telling him, I said, you know, I've been talking to Dave. I knew they knew each other. I said, I've been talking to Dave. And he said, oh man, he's, he's a hard cookie. To, I said, no, no, wait a minute. He said, I've talked, this is what Ted told me. He said, I've talked to him. He said, you can't get through to him. He's hard. I said, you know what I've been talking to him about? And I began to tell him. He said, no, really? I said, he's listening and he's talking back. He's asking questions. You see, sometimes you don't know. Don't you try to pick people. God will pick them for you. He'll send you in at the right time. And you don't have to be a scholar. You don't have to be a theologian. Just tell them what is experiencing in your life. Tell them what God's doing. Huh? Tell him what God can do for them. Second, the third, that thy hand might be with me. Don't you want God's hand on you? <laughs> Boy, I'm going to tell you what, I'd be in a heap of trouble if I didn't have the hand of God upon me. I'd get in more trouble. I'll share this. Can I share this with you? Y'all care if I sit down here a minute? I'm going to sit here and rest a minute. I'll... I won't tell you this story while I'm sitting here. That's okay. I'm glad that the hand of the Lord is on me. Be sure you've got the hand of the Lord on you. It's important. I, um, I told you I lived in North, in North Bavaria, which covered all of Bavaria. It's a pretty good-sized state, Bavaria is. And I covered a lot of area. I got a call one day from Springfield, and they said, do you know anyone in Berlin? Berlin uh, was in then what we'd call behind the Iron Curtain. You, you understand how Europe was broken down at that time. And I said, no, I, I don't know anyone, don't know anything about Berlin. I don't know what's going on over there. And they said, we'll find out because we're getting letters from Berlin. I want you to go up there. I'm gonna get a drink of water. It's getting a little hot. And I thought we might have a fire. I want to be sure and put it out before it gets going. <laughs> and uh, they said, go over there and check on it. And I went up there to check on what was happening in Berlin. Now, Berlin then was behind the Iron Curtain. When you cross through what we call the Iron Curtain, which was a, a, a big fence, and then you cross into what they call uh, the control zone, or this was the military zone, which was controlled by the Russians and East Germans. And then you travel 113 miles to the island of Berlin, which offends the wall. When you hear the wall, that's what they were talking about. The wall was around West Berlin. And so I had to travel from uh, the checkpoint all the way through to Berlin, 113 miles, I went in. I went to the chapel to see if they could help us with this. I said, what is it you hear or seeing in this area? And they said, what do you mean? I said, well, I've got a call. There's some steps going on over here. And the guy started laughing. He said, boy, did you hear it right? I said, well, what is it? He said, we've got six young men here from Waxahachie, Texas. 
the Bible college and they dared each other to join the army. Then they had an agreement. If you join and join together, they keep you together. And these six guys joined the army together, all wound up in Berlin. And they said they had the hottest thing running in the military. One of them worked for the general so he, he could requisition all kinds of Mercedes-Benz buses. Then they had another one was a song leader and played the piano like Jerry Lee Lewis. These were all gifted and talented people and they had set Berlin on fire. The chaplain said, I just sat back and I enjoy it all. And he did. He had the most envious spot there was. So I had to meet the guys. And I met them and told them that I was going to have to be checking on them and being with them. And so we did. About once a month, I would drive up, check on them, see what was going on, and minister to them and whatever I need to do. And one day I got a call from um, Dr. Moon. Some of you have probably never heard him, but he used to teach down at Waxahachie. You know him? About Dr. Moon. Well, he had a wife named Donna Moon. You know Donna? <laughs> he called me, he said, Donna's coming over there to do a, uh, some USO tours, military bases. Would you see to it that she gets around? I said, okay. So my wife and Sabrina, the ones here this morning, uh, she went with me and of course Donna and we had one of the spots was Berlin. So we took her up there and let her do her thing, whatever it was. She, we had all kinds of equipment she had to carry with her, all kinds of sound equipment, amplification. We had field glasses. I don't know what they was for, but we had them anyway. We had all kinds of junk, camera equipment, stuff that we had to take pictures with anyway. We came into Berlin, had that great night, wonderful night. Next morning, we were going to leave. Now, I told you there was an Autobahn, one Autobahn from Berlin to West Germany. That Autobot was very seldom ever traveled. I never did see a car on it any time I was on it. You would think that it did, but they, there was no cars that ever used that road because first of all of the travel conditions over there. But when I cleared, you got to clear, as you come out of Berlin, you had to clear for the West, which was the American checkpoint. You cleared, you drove about 500 feet. There was what they called the the East German checkpoint, which is run by the Russians. You would pull in, and there's where they give you the paperwork. In this paperwork, it tells you that you have three hours to travel 113 miles. That's not an unusual time. You can do that in two hours or less. And they said, when you clear, that you'll be fine. So we come through the checkpoint. I get the paperwork and everything. And all of a sudden, I got to notice it. It was detours in German, detour signs. You couldn't travel the road. I said, they're working on the highway. They won't let you travel on the highway. So I followed the detour signs. And it's about nine and o'clock in the morning when I crossed that border. And I knew I had to cross uh, within two hours, three hours at the very most, the checkpoint on the west. So we're up here and we're traveling and we're trying to see and it's an overcast day and I don't know the sun's not out and the and the signs detour signs run out and we don't know where we're at. Did you ever get lost and feel stupid all the same time? <laughs> we were lost and stupid. And I didn't know where to go. I didn't know what to do. But I just kept driving. Now in Europe you can have your radios on and one day there will be nothing. 
and they do this to block out all military correspondence and communication, but it also affects all radio, AFN, and anyone else. It's a jamming device that is, that is produced by the Russians, and they have these things on 16-wheelers, and they can move them along the border and jam radio frequencies for many hundreds of miles. Well, we were only 60 miles inside, so it was very easy to get everything around us jammed. So we're traveling along this road, and we don't know where we're at, we're lost, and wondering what to do, when all of a sudden I saw these 18-wheelers out there about 500 feet from us lined up, and they were do the ones that were jamming the devices. These are military zone. There were Russian patrols along the road, and in that kind of a military situation, you do not want to get caught with recording devices, any kind of uh, inspection like uh, field glasses or recording, uh, anything, anything in the way of recording a voice, sight, or sound, or anything like that. It's all, it's a taboo, you're caught, you're dead on your tracks, that's it, no more. We were warned not to do that. Well, here I am in a strange land, and I drove into a military zone without knowing it, and nothing but these military, so I keep driving like I didn't see them. And I said, I gotta get out of here, and I don't know how. My wife, I looked over at her, and she was praying, her mouth was going like that. In the back, Donna's mouth was going like this, but it was not praying. <laughs> And her and my daughter were just a gacking like a storm, so that was okay. They, they didn't know what was going on. We pulled into a station. It was a service station. But there was one pump. Do you remember those old pumps that used to have the glass up here? And you'd pump the gas up here and gravity flow would put it in. That's the kind of service stations they had over there. I pulled in. I went in to find out where we were at, which direction I should go in, and I felt as stupid as I could ever have felt. I walked in, and there was three or four men and a teenage boy then there. And I asked them in the best German I had, and I don't claim to be expert in that by any sense of the word, but I said to them very simply, now, you can understand, you know, they, I didn't make it complicated. I told them, I'm lost and need to get out of here. Can you tell me where the highway is that leads me to the west? They didn't hear me. No one would look at me. No one would talk to me, just like I didn't exist. They'd walk past me and never say a thing. Now, I know my German's bad, but it's not that bad. I sat there a few minutes. And a young boy that was standing there walked outside and went around the corner and I watched him and he gave me this. Now that can get you a lot of stuff. <laughs> Maybe you don't want it. But I had to have more than I had. And I walked out there and he said to me, I know what you want, they know what you want, but they think you're British. I said, no, it can be an Americanish. He said, well, they don't know what you are. They think you're British. I said, I'm an American. And they said, well, they don't want to talk to you. I said, but I got to get some help. He said, I can't help you. I don't know. But he said, in the next village over here, and he told me about how many kilometers. He said, uh, 
in that village is an old policeman walking around a square like we, you know, some of our towns built around a courthouse. He said, there's an old policeman and he's, he's good. He's a, he's a friendly policeman and he'll help you. I said, good, good, thank you. So I got out there and went down the road and sure enough, drove up in this little village and there it was, the old policeman was walking just like he said, an old tattered looking uniform, but he was walking around and he was just seemed like care, the cares of the day. I walked up to him, I spoke to him, and sure I can see, I didn't see how he wouldn't talk, huh? Yeah, you know, y'all, he's back, back, he was having a good day and everything's fine. I said, Ich nicht bin der Einerbaden to Westwick, to Nuremberg, and can you see him in Finland? He said, Oh, no problem in his German accent again. No problem. I said, well, what do you do? He said, well, a German gives you instructions just from where he's standing. He said, Gradios, go down the road here. He said to the next crossroad, Rexum de Acca, Gradios to the next crossroad, turn left, Linksum de Acca, and Gradios to Audubon. In Rexum de Audubon, I said, yeah. I went back, I told my wife exactly what he had said. I said, if I forget it, you tell me so we can get back. So I did. I followed his instructions and he was right. Everything was just like he said. I found myself on the Audubon. Then I could see the, the clearings, the next checks point that I would have to cross to get into the West. I was to cross there at 12 noon. Now, do you believe in miracles? Do you really believe in miracles? Because let me tell you what God can do. God can blind people and God can make them see things that are not there. Huh? Yeah. I drove up to that guard shack. The guards were not friendly, but they asked for my papers and I laid them up there and I was at six o'clock in the evening, six hours over. That is an automatic they would have put me in prison. They would have taken my, uh, my car. I don't know what would have happened to my family, but that would have been the condition, the normal condition. They looked at my paperwork, picked up the stamp, stamped it just like if I just drove in there the last minute. Handed me back to me, and I drove about 500 feet again to another checkpoint, which went into the west. And I showed them the checkpoint, I mean the paper I just got from the last checkpoint, and they said, but you're six hours over. I said, I know, I know. He said, what did they say? I said, they stamped it and handed it back to me. He said, oh, gradios, mach schnell, mach schnell. In other words, get out of here in a hurry before they realize what they've done. <laughs> and I got out there. Now, God blinded them, had to. I told some folks over there that, and they said, that don't happen. They, they, they watched that very, very closely. I said, they did me. They gave me clearance six hours over. 30 minutes will get you in the penitentiary over there, jailhouse. Six hours. You know what I'm talking about here tonight? I'm talking to you about things that are impossible for man, but not with God. For with God, all things are, you got it, you got it. I know I got to get on through this. 
Y'all are tired and ready to go home. That thou mayest keep me from evil. <laughs> that thou mayest keep me from evil. Do we have to worry about that around the church? Huh? Come on, folks. I'm pretty naive, but it took me 65 years to get my eyes open. Did you know there's evil in the church? Huh? You better believe it. I followed one pastor that had hired a hitman to kill his deacon so he could get his wife. That's a hard one to preach over, but it, you can do it. I was in another church where um, I walked in. The first 30 days I was there, a man came up to me, one of the board members. I'd met him before, and they had seven deacons, and he said, I'm one of the board members. I said, yes, sir, I do remember you. And he said, now, if you need anything while you're here, let me know. I control 60 votes in town and in the church. Boy, I thought, there's a powerful man. I asked someone later, I said, what, what does he have a large family? What's he got? They, said, they laughed and said, you don't understand. He's got 60 dead people votes with him. Oh. I said, in the church? Oh, yeah. I said, this don't sound too good, you know. Huh? You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. I'm a naive country boy, but I'm learning some stuff. Did you know there's things that go on in the church that would shock the world sometimes? Huh? Yeah. There is. I've had to deal with it. Twice I was supposed to have been killed. One guy said, you will say goodbye to your family right now because you're not going to live after you walk out that door. That's it. You'll be dead. I'll see to it that you're dead. And he was one of the board members that was unhappy. And I hope you don't ever have any board members that get that unhappy. <laughs> that's, that's a terrible, terrible thing to deal with. And he said, well, you're going to die. You might as well be ready to. I got another phone call one night, and they said, are you the pastor and name me from the church? And I said, yes, I am. And they said, well, we would, how do you get your mail? And I said, I get it at the post office. And they said, we'd like to send you a gallon of aspirin. You're the sickest man I ever met. Oh. I said, well, thank you. I appreciate it. We'll use them. <laughs> I won't go through that whole story, but there were some things there that you cannot believe. I won't even go into it. You don't have the time for them stories. Let me tell you what. Someone asked me here a while back, said, uh, you think you'll ever write another book? I said, well, I don't know, I might. If I did, I'd call it The Sins of the Church. They said, what? I said, yeah. You can't believe some of the sin. I, people have stolen, lied, sued me over it because I was going to report them to the police. I think sometimes I've gone crazy or the world is going crazy. And I asked Nelma, I said, Nelma, you know me as well as anybody. Am I that mean a guy that they come in and have to kick me out before we get started? Where's that start? She said, I don't know. She didn't. I didn't know. 
And I'm going to tell you this. The devil don't like the church. Put that, mark it down. The devil don't like the church. And the first place he wants to hit and destroy is the church. If he can destroy this church, then he's done what he wanted to do. If he can destroy one person in this church, that will destroy the church. Are you with me? Can I say something real bold? I know you're the godly bunch or you wouldn't be here tonight. I'm going to tell you this. You can tell the rest of what I said sometime. <laughs> Sitting in this church don't make you holy. It's a good church. But sitting in this church won't make you holy no more than sitting in a hen house will make you a chicken. You've got to realize who you are and what you are and why you're there. Huh? That's You better figure it out. I found out that everybody walks through the door is not holy. They're not angels. But is that going to dampen my spirit? I'm going to be going to church to the day they carry the big black wagon comes and gets me. I'll be going to churches somewhere. But I'm going to tell you, the devil has fought in any and every way he possibly could. Yeah. I could tell you a few other things, but I am see you're not in no mood for that tonight. <laughs> but there are some things, huh? Yeah. There are some things out there that will, that will warp your personality. I tell you, I've been shocked. I've been shocked. I've talked to board members sometime when I see signs. I can't believe it. You actually did this? Yep. I said, I can't believe it. Why? Why? This is one of the explanations. Because you didn't watch me close enough. I said, well, I'm sure sorry about that. I should have been following you day and night. And I, and I did. It's, it that puzzled me, folks. I can't understand that. I don't have to watch you. Don't you have a conscience, huh? We all got a conscience. We've got, we've got something in there that tells us when we're right and wrong, and if we don't listen to it, we're going to wind up on the wrong side of the tracks. Are you with me? I'm trying to find a place to quit. I don't even know where that is. Just keep me from evil. That's what that said. And listen, church, I don't care if you are in church. You may be the number one member, but the devil will attack you and use you and take advantage of you anytime he can. Believe me. It took me 65 years to learn that, but I've learned it now. And I'm not being ugly. I'm not being ugly. I'm telling you some facts. Sister Gillum sitting right here, and her and her husband are pastored, and she will verify some of that, Sister Gillum. Stand behind me, <laughs> back me. <laughs> we've, we've had talks before. <laughs> Did you know that the thing, and I've got to close this, it's, one says that, that it may not grieve me. You know, evil, it's grieving, isn't it? It's very grieving. It's awful to know that you've, You've done something wrong and you're carrying it in your, in your heart. You've thought something that you shouldn't have thought about someone. You're carrying it in your heart. You've said something maybe you shouldn't have said. It. You've had to carry that. And then you find yourself having to defend that. And 
it's bad. It just makes you sick at your stomach. You know what I mean. You're, you're not, you don't feel good when all that happens. He said, why are you talking to us, the church, tonight about this? Because that's the very ones the devil likes to find a place. If he can find a place in that heart, in that mind, in that spirit, he's won a battle that you've lost. And I like this last verse. I got to quit. I know it's quitting time. And God granted him that which he requested. I'm glad that God's still got his eyes on the church. God's still looking at us. God's still helping us. Heavenly Father, I've tried to say this as honestly as I knew how tonight. I wanted to wave the flag. I want to say something that would encourage every heart to be alert, to be witnessed and to understand that there's an enemy that would come in and take charge, that would devour our consecration, our dedication, our surrender, our submission, will take everything that can be given, will take it from us. And leave us here is nothing, Lord, but we need to be able to be covered by the power and the sanctifying force of the grace and the glory of God for his sake, not my sake, but for the glory of God in us. Lord, you know every one of us. You know us by name. You know where we live. You know what we're dealing with. You know what this church has to face, not just today, but tomorrow. And God, prepare them and give them words and wisdom and knowledge and understanding, oh God. <laughs> Lord, I don't understand it, but it's gonna be as long as there's man on face of this earth. But God, put your arms around the church tonight. Love these people. Love their mind, love their spirit, love their families, love God, their mission in this community. Love them, oh God, for they need you. This board needs you. The teachers need you. The associate pastor needs you. Oh God, we all stand here. We've got to have you. We can't do without you. We have to be led by you for we don't know what to expect and how to plan on that. family, I bring you the families. <laughs> Lay your hand upon us now. Lead us. Lead us tonight, oh God. Lead us tonight. Lead us tonight, oh God. We want to be a winner. We want to be victorious. We want to be a blessing. Gonna have to lead us now.
Let's sing that song, Naomi, oh, to be his hand extended. Dennis, do you know that song, of course? I think you might know this if you do sing it with us. in a moment here and let's just worship the Lord one more time together in this course. Oh, to be His hand extended reaching out to the oppressed Oh, let me touch Him Let me touch Him touch him <laughs> may know and be free heavenly father tonight lord i ask you to lay your hand upon everyone in this room as we go to our separate homes, go with us, God. Some of us may have things to face tomorrow that we have never expected to face, but God, be with us and help us tomorrow to deal with those things. Lead us, God, as we walk down this pathway, this walkway with your light shining before us. Let it be for your glory. Go with us tonight in peace and let the power and the presence of God overshadow our lives. We'll bless you together in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Shake hands. Make a friend before you leave here tonight. Shake hands with somebody. Bless your heart.